Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, July 10th. I am here with Showdown Joe. We are talking UFC 200. We're also going to talk about a couple of the bigger fights from International Fight Week. Showdown Joe. Did UFC 200 live up to the hype to you? I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, absolutely, Sean. I mean, it was, it was a fantastic show uh, all around. I mean, was there some anticlimactic bouts? Yeah. I mean, uh, up and down with some of the fights. And, um, you know, we started off real strong with three first-round finishes, and then it kind of slows down in the, on the uh, Fox Sports prelims with, you know, four straight decisions, and then up and down uh, for the rest of the card. But, yeah, I mean uh, – Anyone that knows me is when it comes to mixed martial arts and UFC, I'm happy no matter what happens. Even the Daniel Cormier fight, people booing, 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 booing. I just sit back and I actually laugh and think, well, if you're a world-class wrestler like uh, Daniel Cormier, former Olympian, I don't think you want to stand the trade with Anderson Silva too much. Take him down. So to me, it was a fantastic card nonetheless. We had a main event and then we had a main event. But after four actual main events have been announced for this show over the recent months, what did you consider the main event of the evening? Well, no ifs, ands, or buts. Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt. That's what people were generally tuning in for. If you, if you were to break down, I'm sure the audience, it's definitely the Brock Lesnar fight. That's, I mean, you heard the ovation uh, that he got there. I mean, all the hype uh, around Brock Lesnar. The guy's a walking ATM machine when it comes to pay-per-view. So I think that was the real main event, despite the fact that the championship fight with Amanda Nunes and, and Misha, Tate, Misha Tate ended up being the main event. Uh, the one people were really wanting to see was that one there, Brock Lesnar and Mark Hunt. That's what we'll lead with. Brock Lesnar has not fought in the UFC or had not fought in the UFC for four and a half years. And he lollygagged right into the company, beat a top 10 guy. That was, I was very impressed with Brock Lesnar's performance. This also leads me to believe that when this idea was pitched to Vince McMahon, as much as when it first happened, I thought, based on the matchup, I was like, he probably just said, okay, this is some fat Samoan. Brock will probably beat him. I got to think Vince McMahon may have been a little more savvy than that. He probably sent somebody, watched him train, then that person came back and said, yeah, I think he'll be okay. 
Now, I know that Brock was training with Cole Conrad, but Cole Conrad hasn't fought in years. I don't know who else he was training with. Did you anticipate this type of performance, like even in your wildest dreams from Brock Lesnar? Three rounds. To be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't see it coming like this. I really thought Mark Hunt was going to win this fight hands down. I had this strange dream, like so many other people, that this vision that there was going to be another walk-off KO. But there was a, there was a point in the second round that Brock Lesnar, we, we know he kind of fatigued uh, later in that second round, but he threw this left jab that was speed. It, was, it wasn't accurate. It never hit Mark Hunt, but it looked very, very crisp, very, very fast. I thought to myself, this is a huge human being throwing a jab like that who's really never, ever been known as a striker. Uh, the only time you know, when he did to Randy Couture, I remember at that post-fight press conference when I was talking to Randy when we did the post-fight interview, he said, Joe, he has these go-go gadget arms that just you can't really you know, disseminate what that reach actually is, and then it just pops you in the head, and then you realize, holy smokes, I, gotta, I, better, I better stay away. Um, I think Brock looked really good considering he's been away for that long. Uh, obviously, put a really good training camp in there, and who knows what's going to happen next, really. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm sure you know far more than I do in terms of, of a one-and-done deal. I just thought it was really cool. Like, Junior DeSantos already tweeted out, hey, congratulations on the victory. Can I see you now? I mean, he took Mark Hunt down with relative ease at times. I mean, in the second round, it got a little tougher for him. Uh, Brock Lesnar does have a date with Randy Orton at SummerSlam. I know you may not be familiar with him. Randy Orton has a plethora of shoulder issues. I don't know if putting him in there against a guy who does German suplexes as, like, his gimmick is a good idea. Uh, They did have some sort of agreement with the WWE to promote that, as well as the WWE 2K17 video game in which Brock Lesnar is the cover athlete. Um, But, I mean, for for all of, of that, I mean, nobody was talking about the WWE tonight, and... Brock Lesnar looked like a UFC fighter tonight. He did not look like a WWE superstar pretending to be a UFC fighter, which is what a lot of people were thinking that this was going to be. A lot of people thought this was going to be a charade. I had even said that I could see uh, Mark Hunt catching him with a short uppercut. He took a couple good shots from, from Mark Hunt. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Randy Orton, is, uh, is he still called the legend killer? Not anymore because he's like 35 now, and he's kind of a legend in his own. All right. So that, that ended watching, about 10 years ago. <laughs> Cause I remember watching his old man, uh, who used to be the bodyguard for Roddy Piper. And he used to always watch him down at Maple Leaf gardens, uh, in Toronto. So, uh, kind of used to follow wrestling back in the day, but you're talking about, this, I mean, Brock Lesnar looked like a UFC fighter tonight. No ifs, ands, or buts. He took out a top 10 guy, uh, and who knows how much better he can get. Cause the more times you are in the octagon, the more experience you get, the better you become and considering his layoff, I'd love to see him back in there within three months or four months. I mean, it's not going to happen, but uh, I would love to see him fight again. The guy looked absolutely great considering the layoff, considering, um, you know, Mark Hunt. We all thought Mark Hunt was eventually going to catch him. Um, you know, Mark Hunt, in my opinion, sometimes fights like, uh, you know, like Anderson Silva where it's, it's like you're just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And then bang, there it is. Okay, so he's got a run of two or three fights. He looks fantastic. And then, it's like his MMA IQ just goes out the window. And it's like, what just happened here? Like, why, why aren't you picking it up? Now, picking it up, you can't throw kicks. I had one guy tweet me, uh, or a couple people tweet me uh, during the bout saying, I'd be throwing some kicks against Brock Lesnar. You just throw a low, a low leg kick. Why? Wow, you do it to Brock Lesnar, you're going to go flying through a cage because uh, Brock is just waiting for that. But I thought for sure Mark would kind of pick up the pace. I know he was waiting for his shots, but it was only a 15-minute fight. So kind of surprised at that performance. But your performance changes when Brock Lesnar punches you in the head a few times. Uh, you start uh, getting pretty wobbly. So I think Brock looked absolutely fantastic. In terms of 
um, when you say no one was talking about WWE, are you talking about the actual broadcast or online? Well, I mean, you know, they had a lot of WWE jokes, but I got the feeling that a lot more buzz would be put on Brock Lesnar, WWE wrestler. But as I mentioned, it's more of Brock Lesnar, UFC fighter. There are more people that are questioning what his future may be with the UFC than what his immediate future is with WWE. What do you think it's going to be? I think he's fighting again. I think it would be dumb to not have him fight again. The way that he looked, the way that he held up from a cardiovascular perspective, especially. I didn't expect that at, what, 37 years old? And he is a machine. Don't get me wrong. He's an absolute machine, a freak of nature. You mentioned the reach. I think his reach is like, what, fourth or fifth, like, ever in the UFC behind, like, maybe Struve, Tim Sylvia, John Jones, maybe somebody else. That, that's also something. He's, he's got a lot of tools. And his wrestling looked really good. I loved how he employed the low single, something that isn't employed a lot these days, which, I mean, there, there aren't a lot of guys that can wrestle like Brock Lesnar either. Um, <laughs> the, the old Navy ride, he employed that as well. Um, yeah. I was I, like, there were a lot of things that he pulled out that I was like, damn, he's crisp. I like his performance. Like, you know, I, I thought that if he got it done, that would be the way he would get it done. But I honestly, I didn't think he would get it done. Well, I mean, Brock Lesnar, like you said, is a freak athlete, and we all talked about it beforehand. So many, I mean, anyone you talk to that knows the game of mixed martial arts is going to say the same thing. He's, he's such a freak. He's just got this amazing talent. And it's just, remember, the power that this monster can generate. And that's what, you know, I, I guess they were saying on the broadcast, but you can visually see it that it's not like a regular heavyweight punching. This is a big human being with massive fists that generates a lot of power. And technically speaking, uh, for those looking at the or listening to the audio, yes, my fingers are up in that quotation uh, moniker right there. But technically speaking, it's not perfect technique. But imagine if he did have perfect technique. And imagine if he if he was able to to get into a position where he could throw one of those uppercuts under the armpit as opposed to throwing it over the top and landing it uh, with some of the hammer fists. I mean, some of the stuff that we saw, I guess, with Dan Henderson and uh, and Fader Emelianenko. Like when you throw those uppercuts from under the elbow and it catches the chin. It's lights out nine times out of ten, and I think with Brock it'd be ten out of ten because he generates so much power. And you know, it, it, technically speaking, he is not you know a, a, a anywhere where he should be. Imagine if if we had, this was Brock Lesnar in his early twenties, and this is all he did was mixed martial arts. I mean, the guy would probably go down uh, arguably as one of the greatest of all time just because of the of the experience. It's just the fact that he's older now; he's thirty seven, like you said, and you know the, this is his peak. Let's be honest. Yeah, um, also, Brock Lesnar took to the mic afterwards, and he said he's taking it day by day. And then he called to end racial tension. So it's over, guys. you got to <laughs> stop. And I'm for real. If Brock Lesnar tells you to stop, you just need – just cut it out. Just Can we just make that deal? Brock doesn't want racists anymore, and I agree, Joe. 2016. I mean, there's there's nothing else I can really say about that. It's 2016. If if, I mean, with with all due respect, Sean, I, I don't. I'm not saying I I'm, I'm politically involved in what's happening south of my border over here, but it's 2016. Enough's enough. Like, stop. Uh, how how dare you say you're not involved? Brock Lesnar represented Canada tonight, and he gave us a stern talking to. Well, according to the announcement, he's from Regina. Saskatchewan, and it's actually Regina, Saskatchewan. So Canada did blow up uh, 
<laughs> on social media when it was announced he's from Regina, Saskatchewan. We don't know where Regina, Saskatchewan actually is. It's actually Regina, Saskatchewan, and I could point it to you on a map pretty quick. Well, what did you make as a Canadian of Brock representing Canada? And he said it was as simple as him living there, but there has to be more to it than that. He's, he's publicly bashed the Canadian uh, healthcare system in the past. Uh, that's a great question, I guess. I mean, it doesn't bother me one bit that he's, he's, you know, saying he's from Canada. He could have, he could have set up, set up shop in Mexico. He could have set up shop in Spain and said he's from Spain or Mexico. It wouldn't bother me one bit. Uh, when he took a shot at the Canadian medical system, again, I, I do, we just, all, most of us here, uh, those that didn't get offended for no apparent reason, we just shrugged our shoulders. We're like, uh, our medical system is fantastic. I can just walk into a hospital, get treated and go home and not pay a penny. Um, it's kind of a cool system if you ask me, but uh, the fact that he set up this camp or that he set up this comp- or compound uh, in Regina is pretty fantastic. I guess it would be like me personally moving down to, to wherever in the States, like L.A. or like I love Huntington Beach as an example. If I was to move down in the States, I would love to live there. Uh, I'm still Canadian. Uh, I'd say I'm from I'm, I'm an American, I guess. I live in America, uh, but I'm Canadian. So I mean, it doesn't bother me one bit. He can say whatever he wants. It's, it, it is what it is, right? Indeed. Uh you know, I had I had people over for the fights as I covered them tonight. Myself, uh, Carlos Toro, uh, Justin Golightly, our great team covered the fights tonight. And uh, I'm a member of a, I'm a member of a catch wrestling team, so they were you know the pro wrestling relationship there. Everybody's pulling for Brock Lesnar here, uh, except for me. I am unbiased as a journalist, of course. Uh, but the, the the room erupted, and, and they could tell like the intricacies and. When Brock got a hold of that leg up against the cage, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. And that wasn't always necessarily the case years ago. Now, granted, he was facing guys like Cain Velazquez back then, who also looked great tonight and we'll get into. But um, I was over the moon about Brock Lesnar's performance. I was as a, as a guy who covers pro wrestling and MMA and now boxing, and those two crossovers being an important part of the site that we work for, Joe, uh, good news for us, our red panty night, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to go there. I saw it. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost felt this little, as I was watching the fight, I was thinking of you thinking, this is me versus Sean. This is the MMA guy <laughs> versus the wrestling guy sort of thing. And it, it, to, to the point when, when I realized Brock was going to win this fight, I was actually happy for you. I'm thinking, good for Sean. I, I mean, I, I got to be honest. I prefer covering and watching MMA. Like, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Like, I'll, and you know, I've, I've done plenty of MMA training, but I'd rather be in a pro wrestling ring than sparring. That's just, you know, it's the weird thing. But when, when you watch as much terrible wrestling as I am mandated to watch, MMA, like, they were booing Daniel Cormier, and I'm like, hey, this ain't so bad. This ain't so bad. This this is better than Monday Night Raw. Um. Whew, somebody says Sean is broadcasting live from a leather chair emporium. Yeah, one of my teammates got out my other office chair over there and didn't put it back. I specifically instructed them, hey, guys. Oh, and my love seat right over here. Man. Yeesh, guys. Yeah, we will be taking questions from you guys, so, so feel free to send them in. I know the comment board doesn't work on Fightful.com yet. We just launched Friday. We have a lot of features to unroll, but our tech team is working on them. Uh, we're going to have forums, too, so you all can – really talk shit um that's so it. Somebody just s- encourage them sean way to go 
a couple of questions. Somebody says, why did Sean get fired from Wrestling Inc.? Sean did not get fired from Wrestling Inc. Sean got hired at Fightful.com. Um, somebody says, uh, do you all think Brock will fight again? Do you think he'll fight again, Joe? I'm going to say yeah, because Brock Lesnar does whatever he wants to do. And, you know, it doesn't matter what Vince McMahon says. It doesn't matter what Dana White says. If he wants to go to WWE, screw Dana White. If he wants to go, uh, you know, to, to the UFC, screw Vince McMahon. Brock just seems to have this thing about him, contracts or not. He's able to get out and does whatever he wants to do. And I'm sure he's also a smart businessman. And people around him uh, generally make good decisions and they honor their word sort of thing. So I'm pretty sure that whatever Brock wants to do, he's going to want to do. And based on this, what happened tonight, and you saw how happy he was afterwards. I think he is going to fight again. That's about Brock Lesnar for now, until I have another reason to talk about him. A couple more questions. Somebody says, Sean, will you do a shoot interview on Wrestling Inc.? No, I, I still like those guys. I mean, they're not the Fightful. They're not Fightful.com. They're, they're not Showdown Joe and Sean Ross Sapp. But, I mean, they're, they're all right. They're all right. Um, Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes, however you want to pronounce her name. The fourth women's bantamweight champion in under a year, Joe. That belt's getting around. I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm baffled by the performance. I think it's, it was just, I didn't think it was going to end that quick. I thought we were going to see a stoppage. I mean, I, I did pick Nisha, uh, but, you know, talk to anyone. And I think you and I spoke about it uh, on our original podcast was if a man is going to win this fight, she's got to win it early. Uh, and when I say early, I mean like the first 10 minutes not the first three and a half, four minutes. I mean, she, it was a fantastic performance. It took her three minutes and 16 seconds. 316, Steve Austin, little uh, mention up there. Uh, <laughs> it just, um, her striking, it just seemed that she was on a different level of speed than Misha Tate. And it was evident as those punches were landing and then her precision, she figured out the range very, very quickly uh, and then just started punishing Misha. Uh, and then when Misha started, you, you, you could visibly see it. It's one of the things that I learned a while ago um, Big John McCarthy, when we did the training courses, he um, he says, take a look at a fighter when you're refing or when you're judging, when you see something happen of this nature, meaning um, an aggressive fighter all of a sudden backpedals or stalls or pauses, they're hurt. And you saw that happen a few times tonight in a bunch of fights, but you saw that with Misha Tate and it was just, uh-oh. And as she started backpedaling and going to the cage and you begin covering up, same thing with Travis Brown, uh, fight could be over pretty, pretty quick depending on how much time is left in the round. But Amazing performance by Matt. I mean, this division now is, is you know, somebody called it parody. I call it a mess. Like, well, what do you do now? No Ronda Rousey as speculated in that cage, which, you know, really, no matter who wins, you could put them against Ronda Rousey. And nobody's going to really say a lot about – and here, here's a situation that, that unrolls. Say Ronda Rousey faces Amanda Nunes. Well, you put Misha Tate against Holly Holm. Why not? That fight was fantastic. If Ronda Rousey beats Amanda Nunes, she could fight the winner of – Tate home. If Rousey loses, well, nobody's going to complain about a third Tate or home fight with Rousey, and she can face the loser of that. You know, there, there are plenty of options. There are plenty of options. Now, Holly Holm has to get by Valentina Shevchenko, which, you know, not, not, not a stroll through the park like many people think it is just because they don't know who she is. We said on the podcast earlier this week that we talked about how Misha Tate started kind of slow. Amanda Nunes started really fast. Misha Tate, and, and at no point until the ref stopped it was I like, okay, Misha Tate's out of this because it's Misha Tate. Like, you know, I halfway believed that if they would have let her just go on with a broken arm, she would have found a way to 
swing it from the socket and manage to catch Rousey or something like that. She's an animal. But, I mean, man, Amanda Nunes didn't let up. She knows. She did her homework. Obviously, she didn't let up, where, where so many people before have let up against uh, Misha Tate and really capitalized on that. Uh, made this fight her fight and played to her strengths and is now the fourth women's bantamweight champion in under a year. In the past eight months, eight or nine months, four champions. That's unbelievable. Is this good or bad for the division, Joe? I don't, I don't it's a good question. I think it's actually bad for the division. Because, uh, you all, I mean, divisions in general, people love champions. They don't like revolving champions. Uh, in general, people like to see dominant champions per se. Uh, you, know, you look at Jose Aldo, look how long he, his run was, and then bang, and then finally he lost. And then it adds a little bit of you know, blood, no pun intended, blood to the division or new blood to the championship era. Um, I, it's, it's, it's a strange scenario. I know what you're saying about Misha Tate. There was one point when I said, that's Misha. She'll be fine. Uh, and then I quickly looked closer and then I was like, no, 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 no. She's in big trouble here. Uh, and, and the, one of the running jokes that people have, uh, from way back when it's an old jujitsu joke is, you know, you want an easy way out, rear naked choke, tap out. It was, it was, it was almost like it was a quick tap. I think Misha was in so much pain with her nose. Uh, that the choke really started hurting because she couldn't breathe, she couldn't think, she couldn't do anything, and blood going everywhere. So uh, it was a great way for her to just to get out of that situation. Um, you know, normally she we would know she she'd fight out of that situation. I think she was in a lot of pain from those punches and that nose and whatever. Um, but in terms of the division, I don't know. I I would rather. I mean, it, it, I think it was much cooler when Ronda was a champion, not because of Ronda Rousey, but because we saw this dominant champion going around and defeating uh, challenger after challenger after challenger. And, and at the same time, now we don't have that right now. It's, it's like Holly Holm wins and then Misha wins. And then Misha loses and then now Man is a champ. And now what do we do now? So it's just this revolving door of champions. And don't get me wrong. It's great to see it happen for all the ladies. Congratulations. You know, they're making some money now and more notoriety. Like Amanda Nunes is going to go back to Brazil and be an absolute superstar. Great. Fantastic. But every division, in my opinion, I love champions that at least defend it three or four times, have a nice little run, or longer. I mean, that, that, that's, what, you know, that's what makes great Hall of Fame fighters. Some of you may have ca- caught me, uh, or caught me uh, moving that leather chair. Sorry about the noise. Uh, we will be covering the press conference info as, as it filters in. I have somebody sending me the info as it goes along. Brock Lesnar getting his own press conference, Joe. Um, Lots of those surprise, this week. Silva, Silva got his own. John Jones got his own. You know, you used those air quotes earlier. Uh, I just want to say we used those with pretty good success this week as I talked about John Jones being a changed man. As it turns out, the soothsayer is in me. Brock Lesnar says, goes to the press conference and says, let me be clear, Brock Lesnar does what Brock Lesnar wants to do and says it's way too soon to discuss his fighting future. He has no idea. He says he was never rocked, and he never, quote, knocked the fuck out of me. He then says that he had 12 inches of his colon removed and set back in the octagon three months later. Who does that? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who, by all means, and pardon me for being crude, had a surgically removed butthole and fought people, fought people. Shane Carwin. Shane Carwin used to look at people, and they would just fall over. I mean, people, I, I think it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, forgotten. Do you think that's ever an option for Brock Lesnar? He wants to fight, he wants to fight Brock Lesnar so bad. Do you think they would ever run that one back? 
it's been a long time since Shane Carwin has fought. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, well, it, it's anything's happened in the. We never <laughs> thought Brock Lesnar was going to come back, but let's be honest. I, mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But um, hey, if Brock tells Dana that's the fight that I want and that's the only fight that I want, and that's the only time I'll come back to the octagon, it'll happen. Man, tonight was something special. It was something special. Uh, uh, what was not necessarily special was the. Anderson Silva, Daniel Cormier fight. Now, I had a lot of people saying a lot of crazy stuff. I saw a guy say, you saw it, I really scared Anderson Silva. This is a guy who took this fight two days ago. He is a former middleweight champion who was fighting the Strike Force heavyweight Grand Prix winner. He had surgery seven weeks ago. And, um, yeah, I mean, every time it was on the feet, you thought that Anderson Silva could win. Daniel Cormier fought the fight that he had to fight, in my opinion. Um, he, may been, he may have been the biggest winner of the week. He went from a possible beatdown and being eliminated from the title picture altogether to retaining his title, beating an all-time great, maybe not. But, you know, at least people, people care about him uh, a little bit more now, whether, whether they like him or hate him. You know, th- there is – Emotion invested into Daniel Cormier. What did you make of the fight? Uh, what did you think of Anderson Silva taking this fight? Because I haven't, I haven't spoken to you since then. Well, the fact that Anderson Silva took this fight on such an order is just, you know, he, I definitely commend him. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it's a nice little paycheck. But you're fighting Daniel Cormier on, what, two days' notice. and But you're Anderson Silva, so you don't really care. But you're not Anderson Silva of, of four or five years ago. Um, good for him. I think it's absolutely fantastic that he did step in there, but we knew the cardio was going to be an issue. Um, and sometimes Anderson's just acts funny and doesn't do what he's supposed to be doing. But after you go through that first round, um, you know, your, your, your thought process is probably going to change. Uh, at the same time, the way the fight went down, uh, perfect fight. Great job by Daniel Cormier. I mean, me personally, it's still Anderson Silva. Uh, I'm not the one in the cage and neither am I, I'm not the one that paid for tickets uh, to be at the arena and, and, you know, have the right to boo. I used to complain about fans booing all the time. They just thought they were ignorant. They have no idea what they're talking about. How can you boo? Listen, who cares? At the bottom line is who cares? If you want to boo, boo. Uh, it, you put, you, you put your money up there. Probably, you know, if you got them for free and you're booing, you're a jerk. If you paid for your ticket and you're booing, so be it. You put your money up there. But at the same time, that's the fight, uh, that I'd be fighting if I was Daniel Cormier. No way would I want to stand and trade. I mean, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. If my strength is wrestling, my striking is much better. I'm a champion of the world, but I'm fighting Anderson Silva, who I believe I could, whose jiu-jitsu I believe I can negate because of my wrestling, my positioning, and I know how to keep my limbs in check. That's the fight that I'm doing. I'm going to lull Anderson Silva into a false sense of security that we are striking. This is exactly what you want, Anderson Silva, and then whammo, taking him down to the ground, controlling him, whether it's in half guard, side control, whatever position, putting all my weight on him and punishing him with hammer fists, elbows, and anything possible to keep him on the ground and not give him any mobility whatsoever to land any of those elbows and spinning this, spinning that, or whatever that Anderson Silva does. So I think Daniel Cormier fought a great fight, and that's how you should fight. It's mixed martial arts. It's not a tough man competition. It's not, you know, knock each other's heads off. It's mixed martial arts. You have every right to use whatever technique you want to win a fight. Uh, People think it's boring. Whatever. Not my opinion. 
Anderson Silva looked like he briefly threatened in the third round. He landed a body kick towards the end of the round that Cormier felt. He curled his toes into it. But then instead of striking from range, he kind of played right into Daniel Cormier's game and clinch, which I don't know why you'd want to clinch with a guy who was almost in the Olympics as a wrestler. Uh, how, how hurt do you think Daniel Cormier was? Did Anderson Silva have a real shot there towards the end of the fight? Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. When you see a guy like that go down and grab his side like that, that hurts. That absolutely, if you ever, I'm sure you've taken a body shot before, maybe sure. more than one. They're not fun, especially the delayed ones. The delayed ones are the worst because you're just, you want out of dodge. Uh, you know, you're calling for your mom. Everything sucks. Everything in the world sucks. The only thing you think about is get this pain out of my system. And, and remember, that's a shin kick that's landing. It's a baseball bat landing to the to the kidneys or the liver or whatever whatever you know, was the right side. So I mean, it's, it's it doesn't feel good. And when that situation happens, um, it's pretty bad. I think if Anderson had far more cardio uh, and was a you know maybe a few years younger, Sean, he'd have probably pinpoint accuracy knocked uh, uh, Daniel Cormier into next week. But I think he had a great chance to try and finish that fight or at least win that round. But didn't do it. Yeah, I was a little surprised that. Uh... Silva didn't follow up with uh, follow up a little better. Uh, Silva usually jumps right on that. I mean, that, that's one of his things. I mean, you remember when he sat there with his back against the cage and kind of lured uh, Stefan Bonner into a body shot, but wasn't the case tonight. Um, either way, you know that was that was a marquee fight. That was a big fight. As I mentioned, it's a former UFC heavyweight champion. Or a former UFC middleweight champion taking on the Strike Force Grand Prix heavyweight champion, and Anderson Silva is a guy who, at times, I believe he did make 170 before, right, or 172, 173 early in his career. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we have a new interim featherweight champion, and Jose Aldo shut a lot of people up, a whole lot of people up. I thought that this was. I thought that much like Frankie Edgar said that we saw the best Jose Aldo a few years ago when he fought Frankie Edgar. I thought this may have been the best Frankie Edgar. If that's the case, then then this Jose Aldo is better than the best Frankie Edgar. And this fight looked very similar to the last one, but Aldo started to pull away and pull away. Um, it looks like he has a date with Conor McGregor. Do you think that rematch will actually happen? Uh, UFC has to want it to, right? It's a money fight, definitely a money fight. I mean, uh, I refuse to talk about Frankie Edgar and Jose Aldo uh, on principle, Sean, because I might break down crying. I'm very hurt oh. by this fight. I thought, uh, you know, Frankie was going to win this fight, and you know, Frankie's my boy, sort of thing. And uh, well, I shouldn't say my boy, but you know, I've had some good times with Frankie, and really thought this was the opportunity he was waiting for because he kept, you know, where's my title shot? Where's my title shot? All right, I'll fight this guy. All right, I'll fight that guy. Oh, great, yeah, Jose Aldo Jr. Okay. Interim title fight. I want a shot at the real champ, but Conor McGregor chose to do what he's doing now with Nate Diaz. So, you know, Frankie has to fight Jose Aldo. And I thought to myself, you know, when you and I talked about uh, earlier this week when we we're breaking down the card that, you know, Jose Aldo had that brain shut down against um, Conor McGregor. Uh, once the brain shuts down once, it could be shut down pretty quickly again. It only gets worse from there. Frankie hit him with some good shots. I mean, I don't know why the broadcast team wasn't saying that he did it. He was landing some good shots and Aldo was taking them. And Aldo seemed to have gotten better and better as the as the rounds went on, and he looked fantastic. He he literally at one point, no, a couple points, looked like he was just toying with Frankie to the point where it's like, okay, you're not going to hit me. There was one point, I think, in the fourth or fifth round, 
where Frankie threw a three-punch combination, uh, ending it with, a, with a, I think, a straight right. And as he moved forward to land the right, all Jose did was simply bob and weave and just looked at Frankie as he just wa- or just you know kind of right by him. And he just and Frankie was like, "Oh my God, really? I've got you know another seven minutes to go with this guy. This is gonna suck." So Jose Aldo looks absolutely fantastic. Has to have now a date with Conor McGregor, no matter what happens with Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 got to happen, and I think it's gonna happen, and it's gonna be another huge pay per view for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. A because it's Conor Conor McGregor, uh, and they can sell this one like absolute craziness and. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jose Aldo destroys Conor McGregor. I mean, it's that I had predicted that in the first fight. Uh, would it last 13 seconds that first fight? So, yeah, I was wrong. And then you Whatever. have a yet another money fight with a rubber match. Bingo. God. God. And then if, you know, Conor McGregor loses, then, I mean, you have Joseph Duffy, who is always a, a rebound fight any at any point, anywhere. If McGregor starts to slide, you can always put him against Duffy and, you know, cite their history. Lots of cool stuff there. Uh, Cain Velazquez looked unbelievable tonight. Can I stop you for one second, Sean? I just want to ask you one thing because the actual um, – for those that were following me on, my, on Twitter, my, uh, my cable went out in, in the fifth round of the uh, Jose Aldo-Frankie Edgar Ooh. fight. In the post-fight interview – uh, was there any mention of Conor McGregor? Did Conor oh, McGregor yes. catch the cage at all? He pointed right at Conor McGregor. They showed Conor McGregor. He told him to bring it on. Yes, there was definite uh, Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo interaction there. I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, lots of cool stuff coming up. Well, yeah, but Cain Velazquez, he looked outstanding. We mentioned that he hadn't won since 2013. I don't know that the question about Cain Velasquez has ever been, can he perform? And maybe, maybe after the Verdum fight, sure. But it's, can he stay healthy? He looked really, really good. Travis Brown got little to no offense. This was, he, he absolutely sharkeeshed Travis Brown. Just, he, it, was a, it was domination. Finished him with three seconds left in the round. Uh, how about that that Edmund Tarvidian striking of Travis Brown? Uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I, 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 I have know friends that used to train with him. I mean, I, well, I don't know. I'm, you're probably risking more than me in saying that. But I, I got to say this. Hey, do you think it's a coincidence that all of Ronda Rousey's best friends left that school? And they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Nope, I don't think it's a coincidence. I know exactly what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, I, I just found the, um, the strategy uh, that Travis Brown was employing was, was kind of odd. Uh, not the odd. The strategy but- was taking the fight in the first place, I think. <laughs> I'd take it. If I was Travis Brown and I have <laughs> oh, a chance sure. to fight King Velasquez, I would take it in a heartbeat. Oh, sure. But, I mean, I, I didn't think he stood a chance at winning this fight. Uh, well, I mean, it's MMA, so you never know. But um, Cain Velazquez is in that title picture because Fabricio Verdum is not the champion, which, I mean, he, he kind of was technically anyway, but 
there weren't a lot of people clamoring for that rematch. There were some apologists that thought that Cain Velazquez, for some reason, was fighting at a different elevation than Fabricio Verdum that thought that they should run it back. But Steve Miocic's the champion now. Alistair Overeem might be the champion in a, in a couple of months, I think. Uh, so either way, Cain Velazquez is right back in the title picture. Do you see him reaching that pinnacle again? Is that a possibility? I'm sure it's a possibility, but is that something you envision? Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely, I believe it. I mean, um, call me an apologist. I think the altitude was a, was a big issue in that fight with Verdum. I think they misjudged it completely. Uh, I think it's another valuable lesson learned uh, with the academy there. Uh, you got to take that stuff kind of seriously whenever you are competing. I mean, for example, if you're competing somewhere in Denver, you better probably want to go up there, uh, probably your whole camp there, to get used to it. Uh, I was once at, at Big Bear uh, with Tito Ortiz, and he challenged me to just to go for a, for a, I don't know what you guys call it in the States. We call it a 5K jog. I don't know what five kilometers <laughs> is in miles. So pardon my, uh, my, my horrible math. But uh, that jog was the worst experience of my life. It is just okay, – oh. We, we do 5Ks. We just do it based on our system, so it's not nearly as long. Yeah, so it's like, what, 100 feet, if that? Three no, miles. I Three miles. <laughs> so at the same time, it's like the, the altitude is real. So, I mean, I guess it's a lesson learned, and people can, 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 can laugh at Kane and, uh, and Menez all they want. It's, it's, it is the truth. Uh, now we see what it's like. I mean, you were joking about it in the podcast. When you see him in uh, non-altitude in Vegas, he should be fine. And, you know, he looks fantastic. But um, I would love to see that rematch with Verdum. I mean, that would be an absolutely fantastic scrap right there. A few updates from the press conference. Uh, Brock Lesnar says, I'm a 30-year-old man, and I'm pretty proud of myself. I think I may have mentioned that he was 37. 37. Is, wow. Um, it's, that's, you know, yeah. I can't, it's weird for me to think of him as a 39-year-old man because he was actually the youngest WWE champion of all time. Um. He said that he wanted to finish the fight, but Mark Hunt has a coconut head. Is that racist? I don't know. He is Samoan. It's terrible, 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 terrible. That, come on now. He, after, after he did that huge baby face turn in the cage, we got this. He said he hasn't had this much fun in a long time. He trained for six weeks for Mark Hunt. If he uh, decided to do this more, he'll have to sharpen some skills. Oh, that certainly seems like it's it's entering his his thought process that he's going to keep doing it. And he said, I hate to say it, but ever since I was a kid, I've been a bully. And then he says, I believe any man can do whatever he wants if he puts his mind to it. I think that Brock Lesnar should think that Brock Lesnar could probably do anything if he puts his mind to it. I don't think that Brock Lesnar necessarily understands that everybody is not Brock Lesnar. Well, there's a false sense of delusion there. I mean, uh, the only thing he really couldn't do was play in the NFL. Uh, and he did for a bit, but not for much. But at the same and, time... And maybe if he were younger, he could have. Yeah. Listen, we, we, how many times do we have to mention that guy's an absolute freak. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And, you know, it's, 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 imagine this guy, if he was 22 or 23 years old and took up MMA as his only sport. I mean, how dominant could he actually be? I know it's... it's we're just coming off him fighting a couple of hours ago. Uh, and, and this is all fresh to us. But the bottom line is, you, you start doing the math, the guy is just unreal. It's unbelievable to have, to have that much time off, come back and do that to Mark Hunt. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, how good could he have been if this was his only sport? We have breaking news on the Fightful podcast. 
Stan Henderson versus Michael Bisping, too, has been announced by Dana White. And the logic behind that is trying to milk, milk that cow. And Dan Henderson becomes the new middleweight champion and he retires or does he defend the title or Bisping gets what he wants? He always wanted that Henderson fight. I just think they're, you know, they're trying to milk it. <laughs> it's what very possible. It's Bisping. very possible. It, it is a very possible scenario that Dan Henderson could win this title. I'm not saying it's, it's likely, but it is possible. Um, this is the Dan Henderson that will not be doing whatever he may have been on, whether it be testosterone replacement therapy or anything of that nature. And this is Michael Bisping with something to prove. This fight doing anything for you? I honestly thought that the whole, you know, I, I've been saying it for such a long time. Um, you know, George St. Pierre should never come back to mixed martial arts. Uh, milk what he has. He's got enough money to, to last him 14 lifetimes. Uh, but when he when he's decided that Michael Bisping was an option for him to come back, uh, I thought, hey, you know what? The fact that he's saying that, I think that's actually going to happen. And then Michael Bisping taking a shot at George St. Pierre, I thought, oh, it's beginning. This is looking good. This might actually happen. I may disagree with George coming back. I don't think he has to, but I understand why. Uh, and now you're telling me this, that it's Dan Henderson uh, and Michael Bisping too. Okay. Bye-bye, George. We have a comment. Somebody says, shuffle, 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 H-bomb. That's his... That's his UC 100. Yeah. Yeah. Um, TJ Dillashaw looked great against Rafael Asuncao. Uh, Asuncao, as I mentioned, fighting for the first time since October 2014, coming off of an ankle injury. That's a tough injury to come back from and face a guy like TJ Dillashaw. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And TJ Dillashaw, I don't know if he necessarily exploited that, but the footwork was definitely in his favor, and that, that's what separated him in this fight. What did you think of the fight and Dillashaw next in line for Dominic Cruz rematch? 
I thought the fight was fantastic for TJ. I think even Espinosa looked pretty good as well. Uh, to, to come back and fight a guy like TJ Dillashaw after being away for that long, uh, and like you mentioned, uh, after ankle surgery, maybe someone lower in the rankings would have been a better idea. I don't know, but I mean, the fact that he went 15 minutes with him is pretty good. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm not feeling the rematch with Dominic Cruz. Are you? I hate the overuse of rematches. Like, like it's been abused. You know what I mean? I really think that they, you know, give him another fight. Why not? What, what's it going to hurt? I, I want to see TJ Dillashaw fight, <clears throat> excuse me, Uriah, Uriah Faber. Faber. Yeah, I want to watch him fight Uriah Faber. I mean, that is a non-title fight. You could put that as a headliner of a Fox show, maybe an FS1 show. I don't know. Uh, ideally a Fox show, but. You know, there there might be some casual. Fa- I don't know if casual fans really even tune into those Fox shows. To be honest with you, um, so I mean, yeah, why not have it headline a Fox show? I agree. I, it's a fight I want to see. I mean, w- which fight you think would make more money for the UFC? Uh, TJ Dillashaw versus Uriah Faber, or TJ Dillashaw in a title fight versus Dominic Cruz? I'm going to go with the former. Oh yeah, Faber. I mean, we've seen Cruz beat Dillashaw. And there's there's a little bit of heat there, a little bit, but you know there's a lot of potential heat there with Uriah Faber and T.J. Dillashaw. So that's what um, that that's what I want to see. That is definitely what I want to see. Um, also, Kelvin Gastelum beat Johnny Hendricks, who looked like he was about to fall over and die at weigh-ins. He was trembling. We talked about this again last week's podcast. This. This fight, well, Hendricks should have competed at 185. Gaston looked damn good for all of his, you know, issues cutting weight and things of that nature. Is Hendricks? I think Hendricks is done at the top of the 170 division. But what do you think? Um, I the fact that he didn't make weight again, and it's always an issue. He's not getting any younger. There's a you, you, you can't make 170. You can't make 171. Stop torturing yourself. Just go to 185 or figure out if there's a catch weight somewhere. I mean, that's it. It's, 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 I mean, he's punishing himself. It's, it's obviously upsetting the UFC. It's, it's taking money out of his pocket. So, I mean, imagine suffering that much, trying so hard to lose that final 0.25 pounds and just you can't do it anymore. And then losing money on top of that. I mean, and it happens all the time. It happens so much. Uh, not all the time, but it happens so much for Johnny Hendricks. I mean, you know, I, I almost think he's a small middleweight. I mean, that, that's why he's trying so hard to stay at 170, but he just can't. And, you know, you, you can tell he was suffering in this fight. Uh, and because Kelvin just, whoo, that first round was landing those bombs. And that right away will take away some of your gas tank. So, it doesn't bode well for you as the, as the fight continues in rounds two and three. So uh, great performance by Kelvin. Uh, I think Johnny's got some decisions to make, man. I, I, I think he's a small middleweight if he's going to go to middleweight. What do you think? Yeah, he is a small middleweight, and I think that's why he's avoided doing that. But him being – he was he's not necessarily a big welterweight either, and that, that's kind of what made it work for him. He never really used range as part of his attack – uh, you got to give middle weight a go. You got to give it a try because, you know, you get the buzz of moving weight divisions and, you know, that that's 
it, hey, you know what? Gray Maynard just switched weight divisions and it worked for him. He may have he may have saved his UFC. He did save his UFC career by switching weight divisions. And there's not going to be you know the buzz behind the Maynard switch as there would be like a Hendricks switch. But if he looks good in one fight at middleweight, you know, sure, give him a, give him a, a good opponent, and you've got yourself some headline fights there. Like we mentioned, the, the FS1 cards, the Fox cards. I think he has to move to 185 at this point. The issues with making weight, the terrifying manner in which he weighed in, uh, that was. And not only that, this is with the more lax rules on weigh-ins. They had between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. local time to weigh in. Um, and he showed up minutes before shaking. Uh, more so for his safety, I'd like for it to him to move. There is an awesome picture that somebody just tweeted me. It shows Edgar and Aldo with their hands up, kind of fuzzy, out of focus, and through the cage – you see Conor McGregor intently staring at them, standing up while everybody else is sitting down. It is one of the best photos I've ever seen in MMA. I'm going to have to tag you in this, Joe. Get her done. Unbelievable. Conor McGregor was all about that. Um, Pat Zingano, Amanda Nunes. I don't want to get in any trouble. But to quote John Jones, USADA looked like it's done a number on some of these people. I'll just say that. I won't say who because I don't want to get in trouble or get sued. Um, physically, I don't want to say as, as it pertains to performance. Kat Zingano took the first round. This was her first fight in a long time. And like we said, she has been through the ringer emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, I don't know that we we've seen a UFC UFC fighter that has been through this much. You know, maybe maybe Vitor when when all the stuff happened with his sister and and you know, that was a pretty rough situation. But since then, Kat Zingano, the fact that she even came back and fight says a lot about her as a human being. Says a lot about her determination, her will, and her drive. Uh, Juliana Pena was just not to be denied tonight. Um, she says that she may sit out if she doesn't get a title fight. I don't think she's getting that. Well, you never know because I didn't think Amanda Nunes was going to get this title title shot. But I can't think of many title fights in the UFC that would do worse numbers than Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. Um, I think I had more people at my house tonight than would order that on pay-per-view. Your thoughts on the fight, your thoughts on Juliana Pena's immediate future, and how this shakes up that division. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, um, I picked Kat Zingano to win this fight, and then upon further evaluation, realizing that length of time that she's been gone uh, and, the, and what she went through, uh, maybe it was too much. Uh, she looked good, but at the same time, Juliana Pena's technique was phenomenal. There was some stuff that she was doing uh, in the clinch, there was some stuff that she was doing whenever they were engaged against the cage. There was some stuff that she was doing on the side or when they were, when she was on her back, uh, just the palm strikes to the ear were annoying Zingano big time. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's that, I mean, people are, oh, that's not going to work. That's garbage. That sucks. No, no, it works. If you've ever been palm slapped in the ear, palm struck in the ear, it sucks. Ask boss Rutten. I mean, it absolutely hurts. Even from that position, uh, people always say that toe stomps, uh, or, or stomping on someone's foot is a dumb move. No, it hurts. Oh, it's, it's just annoying. No, no, it hurts. Believe me, it hurts. And 
the fact that Juliana Pena was doing even some of the takedown reversals, um, the use of the underhook effectively um, on the ground sweeps and stuff like that. Technically speaking, she looked absolutely fantastic in this fight here. Remember, Katsugano is a black belt. She's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. To do some of the stuff that she did uh, to Katsugano says a lot. Um, unfortunately, like you said, um, there isn't much buzz around Juliana Pena uh, as there would be a, a, in other fights like the Holly Holm fight or another Misha Tate fight uh, or a Ronda Rousey fight. Um, it, this is a situation where it's happened a lot in so many different careers uh, in mixed martial arts where now you got to get some buzz around you. Now you got to start making some headlines. Now you got to get people to talk about you. Now you need all the A, the MMA media to talk about you, but B, the mainstream media to start talking about you. You got to start figuring out ways to get buzz around you to generate interest because that, like I said, that title fight, yeah, it's great for, for mixed martial arts. It's not probably good for the UFC's bank account. I mean, they will both disagree with it because they're, they're, they're sort of biased. But when you look at it from an outside perspective, that's not a money-making fight for the UFC. I couldn't agree more. Um, the UFC press conference has started. Attendance of 18,202, a $10.7 million gate. UFC record. Uh, performance of the night awards went to Amanda Nunez. Cain uh, Velazquez, Joe Lozon, Gegard Musashi. That's the next person I want to talk about, Gegard Musashi. The way in which he performed tonight made me think, man, maybe he should have been put in that Anderson Silva slot. slot. It wouldn't have caused the buzz. It wouldn't have caused, you know, anything major. But the guy, from what I could find, it, it's hard, you know, some of his fights don't necessarily have documentation on weight. But like 13-1-1 above the middleweight division. And I don't know that he looked this good. He's ever looked this good in the UFC. Even that quick fight against Dan Henderson. He really showed a lot of tools tonight against Tiago Santos. A top 10 middleweight. Granted, it, it is a late replacement. Um, what did you make of Gegar Musashi's performance? I thought he looked great. Well, when it comes to Gegard Mushashi, uh, I, I, I think I gave up on him. Um, I'm going to go with uh, April 2010. I've got it actually here. I'm looking at it right now. April 2010 is I pretty much gave up on him trying to figure out what he's doing and the flip-flopping of what he does. He does so good, and then he loses. He does so good, and then he loses, and then he does. What's going on here? That was the Muhammad King or King Mo fight uh, at Strikeforce National. I was there. I, I was, you were there? Yeah, unfortunately, I was there. I was just, I watched that fight, and, you know, this is a guy that's coming out of, uh, you know, dream and just pride, just pride, and it looks so amazing. And then, like, what this, I, I remember when my, my, when UFC Central went first on the air, we used to have a fan question that we would, we would answer every week, a segment we would answer fans. And people were like, who do you want to see Anderson Silva fight next? And he's dominating everyone, he's destroying everyone. I'm like, well, if you kind of, Go overseas. There's a guy named Gegard Mushashi who's pretty good, and this is the guy that I want to see fight Anderson Silva. And his career just sort of went up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Like he had a draw with Keith Jardine. Like I, I, I sort of gave up on this guy. I, I don't know what to expect with him anymore. Uh, and then he does this. He just wrecked Tiago Santos. He did. Speaking of that Strikeforce Nashville show, I was there live, and you know they had the infamous. Mayhem brawl with uh, Team Caesar Gracie. 
for months when people said, sometimes these things happen in MMA, I had no clue what they were talking about. I wasn't in on the joke for like six months until I watched it back and heard Gus Johnson say that. So I was like, what? These things don't really happen in MMA. What? What? Yeah, I felt like a real dolt. That card was miserable to watch in person. Terrible to watch in person. Um, yeah. So Sage Northcutt had a fight tonight. This guy, this guy stops training with Faraz Zahabi and TriStar. Might want to rethink that. Daddy Dearest may want to send him back. Send, grab, pack his lunch, make his little PB&J, send him with his juice box, beg Faraz Zahabi to let you back in that facility, Sage Northcutt, because you won, and I thought he did win. I thought that those elbows to the head were, were more than enough to get that victory. He did escape a couple of submissions. Um, I was surprised that he escaped. But the fact that he allowed himself to be in those, those positions, both of those positions, uh, some fundamental holes in the game. <laughs> now, you know, I put over Brian Barbarino on the show. Losing him, there's nothing wrong with losing to that man. There isn't. It. Not a thing in the world. But uh, Sage Northcutt probably could have won that fight under better circumstances. He's got to get better. What do you think is going to happen with him? Um, who do you think he gets next? What did you think of his performance? I got no idea who they're putting up him up against. Again, like I have no idea. I mean, it just they want to just keep this guy's confidence. Uh, as high as possible before they start giving him any sort of challenges again, in my opinion. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll try and get that rematch with Brian. I doubt it's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's 8-1. and one. He's still young. They have all the time in the world to build him up accordingly uh, and make tons of money off his blood, sweat, and tears. So they've got tons of time to do it. Uh, they should take their time with it, in my opinion. Uh, and you are right. Like, I don't, I don't get the whole what happened at – TriStar thing. Why isn't he there anymore? I mean, I'd, I'd like to dig in more. Maybe I should, but that doesn't make any sense. You're, you're training at, you know, arguably one of the best camps in the world. I mean, there, there's probably a handful that you could select and you were at one. Why not stay there? What happened? Uh, you don't like Canadians? Is that what it is? I doubt that. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it just doesn't make sense. You know, he, you're training. I mean, George had great things to say about him. Uh, I, was there falling out? Uh, was it too expensive? What, what is it? What's what, what happened? I mean, I'd like to know, but you are right. I mean, if Sage wants to go on a run, uh, he's got to improve a, a few parts of his game, not get caught in certain positions. Uh, I, I was happy with his performance. Don't get me wrong. I think he looked pretty good. Uh, although that armbar situation, I was like, ooh, he shouldn't have got caught in that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, did pretty good. And we'll see who, who, they, who they give him next. I don't think it's going to be a big name, to be honest with you. I think they're going to do what they can um, to kind of protect him because let's be honest as a promoter, he's, he's, you know, a golden child. You gotta, you know, you do have to sort of protect him, uh, to, to the point where you can't protect him anymore. Uh, cause you can't just, but he's never going to be able to bypass anyone at 155 pounds to get a title shot. He's eventually going to have to go through, uh, you know, murderer's row. Uh, he's not ready for murderer's row. He's far from that. So, and there's a lot of guys in that division. So we'll see what happens. Also, Kind of, kind of a heartbreaking scene. Diego Sanchez got just destroyed by Joe Lozon, and this is a guy who has been around the first Ultimate Fighter. So, I mean, 
you know, a lot, a lot of emotions tied to him as well, because that, that was a, a real turning point for the UFC. He'll fight again, of course, because he's Diego. But one thing I noticed was even the ref, like as he was taking this drubbing, the mouth guard's falling out, but he won't fall down. The ref's like, ah, should I be stopping this? I don't know. It's Diego Sanchez, and he's not a human being. And he was like in and out, in and out. Um, sad to see, kind of. Good for Joe Lozon, but, but uncomfortable to watch. It's tough. It's tough to digest seeing these guys that, you know, I mean, Diego Sanchez was the original Ultimate Fighter, not Forrest Griffin. Diego Sanchez was the first guy that actually won the Ultimate Fighter show. Uh, so you see that kind of stuff there, and, and, and you watch it, and you're just kind of like, I feel like I'm getting old. Because I remember watching that live, and, you know, it's time. It's like, maybe this is it. And, you know, you're saying he's going to fight again. I personally don't want to see him fight again. But, you know, it's, it's, he's probably got a, a one or two fights left on that contract. He probably will. Uh, he's got the UC Hall of Fame wrapped on, around his finger. It's going to happen. Um, I just don't want to see him take that kind of abuse ever again. Enough's enough. He's taken so much that, you know, uh, I want this guy to be happy one day when he's 60, 70, or 80. Like, that's enough, dude. Like, thank you very much. You're awesome. Um, you know, arguably some of the best interviews I've ever had in my career with Diego Sanchez because he's just crazy. Fantastic dude. But maybe he should walk with Maybe he should hang up the gloves, right? But it's up to him. I mean, it's, it actually shouldn't be up to him, but it is up to him. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully he doesn't compete again based on what we saw tonight. But we'll see. And, you know, I'm mandated to include some pro wrestling on these shows. It's part of my job. But uh, his contributions extend far beyond mixed martial arts. He is responsible for one of the most popular catchphrases in pro wrestling history with the yes chance that Daniel Bryan, who actually trained at Extreme Couture, did some seminars with the great Billy Robinson. He adopted that as his catchphrase, motivated by uh, Diego Sanchez walking out to the cage and doing the yes. Gave great credit to Daniel Bryan, the two uh, – are big fans of each other. So his, his contributions, this guy, uh, unusual guy. I hope, I really, really hope he has saved his money because I'm sure he's made plenty of it, but, you know, probably should have been paid more than what he has. I hope he's not in a situation where he has to fight. I mean, if he's eating steak tartare or whatever it is, beef tartare before some of his fights and getting food poisoning, I get the feeling he's probably not hurting in the financial department, but, um, yeah, speaking of not wanting to take any more punishment, is this it for Takanori Gomi? I could see him getting cut and dribbling a few donks' heads off of the mat and rising or something like that, and pro- you know, maybe even getting some weird, goofy grappling exhibition over there, things like that. But the way he just got handled by Jim Miller, I got to think that's it for his UFC career, three and seven in his last run. Sayonara. That should be it. Uh, I see what you did there. You're I clever. did. I had to do it. I mean, I think clever. I think that's it. That's it. I think that's enough. <laughs> um, you know, I was so excited when he came over. Um, I, I was more excited with Tatsuya Kawajiri coming over. But, um, yeah, Gomi, it's, it's enough. I, I mean, enough's enough. I mean, these some of these guys – wait a second. I actually said the same thing about Gray Maynard. And look what Gray Maynard did. So – Sometimes there are resurgences, but I don't think this is it. I, think, I don't think it's going to happen with Takanori Gomi. I think that's enough. Um, he's, he's done so much uh, in his mixed martial arts career. He was the poster child for the longest time in Japan. 
the fireball kid. He had a huge fan base, shirts and uh, the crazy hair and did so much. But yeah, I think, I think that's it, man. I think enough's enough. I think, you know, based on what happened today, that's it, man. It's, it, it wasn't like he lost to a, you know, he lost to Jim Miller, who's, who's a stud, but it wasn't like he lost to, you know, any of those guys in the, in the, in the top 10. Right. I mean, yeesh. More information out of the press conference before we go. We're going to talk uh, just a couple of the major fights from earlier this week. Um, Cormier says it would have been catastrophic if he lost tonight. He definitely fought fought like it. He says that he will probably fight the winner of Rumble versus Teixeira. I think we need to see what happens with Jones. Let him get through it. Cormier says he can't pay attention to the fans anymore because he gets too angry. Uh, Velasquez does want the winner of Miocic versus Overeem. Aldo says uh, he's always considered himself the champion, and he wants to fight McGregor again. Silva said um, that he has been through so much in this sport. Tonight was a challenge to show young athletes they can do what they want. Um, Cormier asked the fans to stand in front of Anderson Silva for 15 minutes. Things of that nature. Um, Yoani and Jacek proved why they are called the championship rounds Friday night. Claudia Gadelia out-wrestled her for two and a half rounds. The fight looked very similar to their first one. And then Joanna Jacek just turned into a hacksaw and destroyed Claudia Gadelia. Outstruck her 75-6. to six. I had people saying, how could you score that a 10-8 round? I don't know. Just because she didn't fall, <laughs> just because she didn't... Just because she continued to breathe doesn't mean that it shouldn't be a 10-8 round. Also, I'll say this. Judges have been throwing around 10-8 rounds much more liberally this week, and I loved it. Listen, 10-8 rounds are, are very simple to score. Um, it, it, was, it was drilled into our heads um, in, in, with the command course with Big John McCarthy, and, and – it's simple. It's, it's, I, I don't know why they're not used more often. Uh, in essence, 10-8 round, the way, if you look at the way the Unified Rules of Mixed Martial Arts work and the way judges are, if, if they're certified, here's my air quotes again, if they're certified, <laughs> if they've gone through a course, 10-8 round is pretty simple. Uh, if it's a dominant round and you think the referee at one point was going to step in there and stop it and the opponent hasn't done anything in the round, to nullify, neutralize, or do anything in that round to say, you know what, hmm, it's a 10-8 round. It's not, they're not difficult to score. 10-9 round is basically a close round where you can give the edge to someone. 10-10 rounds, Sean, are virtually impossible to score because something happened in the fight. There's, there's five things that you can score in a bout within five minutes where you could give to another fighter. 10-9 rounds can be done with your pretty much one eye closed, almost blindfolded. 10-8 rounds are just as easy to score. If something happened in the round that looked like the referee was going to stop that fight, it's a 10-8 round. Simple. Or if a fighter did something, uh, like a, like uh, an attempted submission where like this guy's going to tap or this girl's going to tap and doesn't tap, the fight almost came to an end, it's a 10-8 round. Simple. Who's next for Yun Jacek? Oh, my goodness. Who is next for her? It's, Let me look through these rankings. It should be interesting and terrifying. Um, Tisha Torres is up there. 
so is Carla. I mean, Carla Esparza. Uh, whew. And I mean, she just fought after taking, I mean, she fought Joanna and was like, I need a year. I need a year before I get back in here. Yeah, um, that, that was, that was a, uh, not a wake up call, but it was one of those like, Ooh, I got to reevaluate a whole bunch of things. And, and I don't want to sound sexist or anything, but you know, there are certain aspects grappling, especially in this division, way below par, way below par. And, um, we got a lot of fight. We, you know, Joanna just exploits that. She's like, you know, I'll keep it standing or she just, she just rides it out. And Gedalia, uh, if Gedalia could have sustained that for, you know, maybe four more minutes, she may have been the new champion, but she couldn't. Um, yeah, Carla Esparza beat beat Lima in April, so that that's I guess that's a possibility. Uh, Rose Namajunas, I don't think she's fought. Yeah, she's she's won three in a row since losing to Esparza. So if she wins. Why not her? I mean, that she's fighting later this month. I think that very well could be who's next. Yeah, well, the bottom line is just look at number 10 and number 11. That's who the UFC <laughs> would love to be in there right now, especially number 10. That's Paige true. Benson. I mean, it's That's not going to happen. You think they're going to ever well, – I know they will eventually. How soon do you think this 125 division is happening? I think it's going to dilute You know these two divisions they have, but do they have the, the talent available for that? Uh, at the moment, no, but they could obviously pull from Invicta. Uh, and there's, there's plenty of women out there that can make that 125 uh, their division. Um, I, think th- I think there won't be a problem. I think they should, they should, they should continue to do it. Um, it just it was always weird because in order to compete in the UFC, you either got to, like there's a bunch of fighters you got to cut so much to get to 115 uh, or just keep eating to stay at 135. Right, so I, th- I think at 125, I think it'd be a fantastic division. They could build it up pretty quick. I mean, there, there's enough talent uh, globally uh, that they could build, uh, and they can and really put put some depth in this division. But you're right; it's going to take some te- some some fighters away from both divisions. But you know, we'll see. Um, actually, looking at the division right now in the top ten for for bantamweight, I don't know who's going to who would be able to move down to 125. To be honest with you. Yeah, because uh, uh, for a while it was said that Misha Tate would. That ain't happening anymore by the looks of it. No. No, I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest so with you. No, you're right. the, who do you think would be the first 125-pound champion? I mean, there are people like Jessica I who would probably be much more comfortable there. I don't know about champion, but – I was going to say me- Jessica I, yeah. Yeah. She, she would definitely benefit from not having to face a Sarah McMahon, a Juliana Pena, a Misha Tate. Alexis Davis at that spot. Uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, people are always like, bring over the 145 division for Cyborg. When the number 10 woman is like three and four in her career, sorry, it's not, that's not going to happen, guys. Um, two more fights to talk about. Will Brooks, what did you think of his debut? Uh, definitely not the type of impression you want to make in your first UFC fight. He said that the early weigh-ins affected him. That's weird. That's strange. I mean, listen, fine. If, if that's what happened, then uh, you know we'll, we'll take him at his word. But I was expecting more from Will Brooks in this fight here. Uh, I, like I said, I, I sincerely didn't think that fight was going to go the distance. I thought Will Brooks would have been able to finish off with Ross Pearson because I think he's just that skilled and that good. But man, kudos to Ross Pearson. He looked, he was tough. He took a lot and he was just, you know, handing Will Brooks. He was just punishing him as well. I mean, that, that, that fight could have went to Ross Pearson. 
I mean, if you, if you really break it down round by round by round, that fight could have went to Ross Pearson, uh, you know, hands down. But Will Brooks did what he had to do. I, I mean, again, it could have been that UFC debut that people used to always talk about back in the day that, you know, once you get there, it's a different ball game altogether. Uh, he could have went through that. But, you know, he, he, he was good. He looked okay. I think he's going to be much better. Uh, we, you and I both knew he was going to call it Eddie Alvarez, and he did it anyway. So uh, he's not getting that title shot anytime soon. But good for Will Brooks. We'll see what happens as he moves forward now that that first uh, that rookie jinx is gone, and we'll see what happens. Also, as, as mentioned, Eddie Alvarez, the new UFC lightweight champion, uh, we, we've said this about a few guys tonight. Best he's looked in years. Ran through Rafael that performance. I, 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 I was just kind of like, what is going? What, what is happening here? He's doing this to Rafael dos Anjos. What, what, yeah. what? That was unbelievable. I didn't, I didn't see that. I, you know, I thought maybe, you know, somehow he'll pull out a split decision victory. MMA is just the greatest. It is just the best. You never know. You never know. Also, we went a whole 48 hours without a Brazilian champion. Touche. Touche. Yes, you are absolutely correct. Man. Were you, I mean, obviously you were surprised Eddie Alvarez won, but um, this really opens up the division. I'm talking like you got a lot of guys. Nate Diaz wasn't in the consideration because he got the, the living crap knocked out of him. But yeah, by Dos Anjos. Uh, Cerrone had been eliminated from the conversation. Both of those guys right back. Like, you know, Nate Diaz, doesn't matter if he, you know, that guy could lose four fights in a row and somehow they'd give him a title shot and he might win it knowing him. Um, I mean, his brother is as a real indicator that you don't have to win fights or even fight to get big fights. And he has now entered that conversation. He's not the little brother anymore. Nick Diaz is almost the big brother now. He's just like, you know, Nate Diaz's brother at this point. Um, that shakes up the division a lot. But Nurmagomedov is there. You have to give him a shot. I think it's great that he uh, essentially took a tune-up fight. They need to be utilized a lot more in MMA. But that's that's got to be the guy. But after that, there are a lot of options no matter who wins. Nurmagomedov has to get that shot. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. Well, we're, neither you or I are matchmakers, but Nurmagomedov is going to get that shot. And what a fight that would be. Him and Eddie Alvarez would be absolutely sick. But this division, um, it's, it's, it's the ultimate division, man. This and welterweight are just, it's just ridiculous sometimes. But this 155-pound weight class, I mean, you can look at this top 10 or top 15 right now and be like, hmm, interesting. But at least the top... Uh, you know, top five guaranteed is just unbelievable. And, you know, Anthony Pettis must be going, huh? Yeah. What? What's going on here? Wait a second. What? Right. Dustin Poirier is like, I'm in. I'm in. What do I got to do? I'm in. Yeah. Let, let me in there. Please. That's, a, that's another guy just waiting in the wings. Uh, guys, if you all haven't, go to Fightful.com. We've got a ton of updates there. Uh, we're really, we're working on the bugs this week, uh, rolling out forums, discussion boards, we're going to have exclusive members-only content, but it is free to become a member forever. You don't have to use a credit card, nothing like that. You just register, and you get access to our exclusive podcasts, exclusive articles. Uh, Showdown Joe is going to contribute. Vince Russo is going to contribute. I'll have interviews with pro wrestlers, 
MMA fighters, lots of exclusive features, all kinds of cool stuff. Bookmark that. We're going to make this something really, really special. Fightful.com. Also, of course, subscribe to our YouTube page. I'm not sure if this will be the format in which we always do our podcast. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. We're we're still learning a few things. It will be up uh, via audio at some point in the very near future. We launched on Friday, and we still have a lot of stuff to work through this week, but uh, lots of exciting things. I'll be back with Joe later this week. Uh, Monday night after Raw, I will be here with Rob McCarron of Shake Them Ropes. Starting the week after that, I will be there. I will be here with uh, Jeff Hawkins of Shake Them Ropes following SmackDown each week, starting with the draft. Also, Vince Russo and I have reunited for a podcast that we will do every week. This week, we are doing a mock WWE draft. Yeah, I am too pumped for that. Showdown, Joe, I bet you'll be watching. You'll be like, damn. Damn, these guys know their stuff. And why wouldn't I be watching? I've got to support you guys. Come on. Well, I mean, you know, you just watched a pro wrestler dominate an MMA fighter. I may have to tune into Monday Night Raw. That's what I've got to do. I've got to start you know, paying attention to wrestling all over I, again. Really I hope, my I hope Sakuraba gets drafted. I hope WWE signs him from, from New Japan and he comes over and, you know, yeah, he made a living off of beating the living shit out of MMA fighters. So there the you Gracie go. Gracie Hunter. Indeed, indeed. And he still does it. They keep it going. They kept it going in New Japan Pro Wrestling and had a couple of the Gracies come over and put on some horrible pro wrestling matches with them. But uh, we're going to be adding a lot of stuff, changing a lot of stuff. You'll see some cosmetic changes to the site. Fightful.com, you guys. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Fightful Online. Uh, most importantly, guys, share the, the articles, share the site, let people know about it, because without you, we can't succeed. Joe, anything you want to leave the people with before we go? No, I think we covered everything. I mean, uh, it's, it was three days of, of absolute mayhem, lots of fights, lots of mixed martial arts, lots of um, – actually, before we came on the air – I started thinking to myself, I'm like, it's, here it goes. This is all becoming a big blur again. Well, who fought who, where, when, what time, which boat was it? It's, it's just so much mixed martial arts, so much UFC that, you know, and, and, you know, but then I was sitting there smiling ear to ear. I'm like, this is absolutely fantastic. I can continue it's to great. do this every day. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a, an unbelievable week. Um, UFC 200 lived up to the hype. Um, the one thing we didn't talk about, though, real quick is John Jones, man. What's up? What oh, we good God. How did I – how did I skip out on that? I feel like, well, we did a breaking news uh, podcast in which you guys can see. I didn't have Joe on that because the news broke 10 minutes after I just did a 100-minute podcast with Joe. So I didn't want to be like, Joe, come on. It's, it's one in the morning. He tested positive for two substances. He could be facing two years. He says he'll return if that's the case. I know one thing. If this ends up being a tainted supplement – Yusada's got some shit to sort out um, because as we've seen with Tim Means and Yoel Romero, that can happen. It's very possible that it that could have happened. Um, how did you feel when you heard the news? Gutted was how I felt, but – and it's, it's hard to say, oh, yeah, I believe him or, oh, I don't believe him or Maokikawa, but what do you think? Well, the first thing, I mean – 
you and I did that podcast and we had discussed that, yeah, we'll do 45 minutes. And we ended up doing, I believe you said 100 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. So it was, it was not that it was exhausting. What we do isn't exhausting, uh, but it's mentally exhausting at times. And it was late at night, uh, like you said, one o'clock in the morning or so. And I said, okay, we're done. All right. Good night. Uh, talk to you soon, blah, blah. And I get on my couch and sit down. I'm, I'm obviously wired. I, even after this, it's 2.47 a.m. right now. I'm not going to be able to go to bed. I'm actually going to go to my couch, turn my TV on, and then the TV will start watching me within about 15 minutes. But if I tried to lie in bed, can't do it. So I decided to go down my couch and sitting there and, you know, there, there goes my, my phone and, you know, who's, who's texting me now and, you know, Oh, there's an update here and bang, I see the news about John Jones. And I thought to myself, unbelievable. And again, like you killed UFC 151 because, well, I shouldn't say you killed it. UFC 151 didn't go down because you didn't want to fight uh, Chael Sonnen because Dan Anderson, Dan Henderson got a knee injury. Uh, first UFC pay-per-view event that was ever canceled. Uh, and then the whole driving and hitting somebody who's pregnant, and then this, and then that. And now it's UFC 200, dude. You were the main event. You finally came back, and it's over. Tainted supplement, whatever you want to call it, pinched, you're gone, you're done. And the first thing that went through my mind after that was, <gasps> Dana White's going to lose his mind. He's going to freak out in this guy, but they can't cut him. There's nothing they can do because you know Bellator will scoop him up. Anybody and their brother and sister will scoop him up. I thought they to will, myself, they will run events wherever it is legal for him to fight, and base that completely around him. They'll have him fight, you know, a King Mo or you know anybody like that in like whatever third world country they can find that would allow them to do it. But and, the real thing uh, is. What would the UFC like? The, 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 when I said they're not going to cut him, Sean. I said, will they try and freeze him? What mm-hmm. can they do in that contract or in those terms to take it as far as possible for him not to fight, even after whatever suspension he may get? And will they freeze him to the point where we're never going to see this guy again? What what kind of clauses do they have in there that they could freeze a fighter from never competing again? And also, the man's on probation. So I don't, you know, I don't know the legalities around this, but if he is testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs that maybe he's not prescribed, I wonder how that could affect his uh, probation. Because local authorities have, you know, they they have went back and seen stuff that he's talked about and. Uh, jailed him for it before. So that's another interesting thing to look at. Uh, I do hope for the best for John Jones. And if this is a tainted supplement, like I, you know, honestly, I want it to be selfishly because I want to see the man fight. Oh, Um, we all do. The guy, the guy is just an unbelievable talent. I mean, in the octagon, the guy's magical. You you are right. Yeah. It'd be nice if it was a tainted supplement and, you know, we could fill this on USADA, but holy smokes, man, again, yeah, yeah. So before we went on the air, I said, oh, maybe we'll do 50 minutes to an hour. And then I forgot this is the WrestleMania week of MMA, and we went like an hour, 10, hour, 20. Joe, we are back later this week. Uh, like I said, might be on this format, format, might be on another. Either way, you can find out all about it at Fightful.com. Got a lot of cool stuff coming. Joe, my friend, I'll see you next week. Or yeah, next week.
Absolutely looking forward to it, my man. Guys, until next time, we are out.